Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. Aaron, go bra. Indeed. In fact, lose the bra, Aaron. It is Morning Combat, your award-winning combat sports showcase. It's Friday, March 17th, 2023. And you're looking at the co-hostess with the mostest. Yes, we bring out the art brush every Friday. It's the beige guy, the American alpha, Brian Campbell. But you don't come here for me, right? You know the arc. You stay for me and then you hate me. I mean, it's inevitable, right? You come here for the guy next to me, right? Washington, D.C.'s finest, the best damn fight analyst who never quite had the stones to find out exactly who he is on this earth. It's Luke Thomas. That's kind of a fair way to put it, I suppose, on some level. BC, how are you? Well, maybe on this fr- BC, happy St. Patrick's yeah. Day. Happy St. Patrick's you. Day. Thank you. As somebody who is one eighth Irish, I do, Luke. You know, my great grandmother was a Brady. Never forget that, all right? Never are you, forget that. Are you wearing anything green besides both of us having green toes and green teeth? Other than that, anything green? Uh, my liver is. My, my wife thought I jaundiced the other day. I was like, no, that's just my, my you know, changing changing skin here you know what i mean so yeah great there's probably some green benefits from a from a failing liver luke but outside of that nothing else too festive today i am rocking out double do- triple dose of morning combat merch today so if the fine fans out there i got some want to hit up morningcombat.store um bomber jacket sizzin upon us luke's t-shirt is available the dead luke brand factory town mma you know rj uh, Dunkle Gangbang, he's got so many goodies over there. So check out the best sellers. If you like Morning Hub and you're an absolute decrepit POS, hey, buy that shirt. Add to that being our best selling item of all time. But uh, you won't be disappointed. Thank you. Luke, I'm doing great on this Friday. UFC 286 is tomorrow afternoon, dinner time ish on the East Coast. And, um, you know, that's got me fired up. And good Lord, Luke, we are what, eight days away? From David Benavidez, Caleb Plant, Showtime pay per view. Yeah, so these yeah. these back to back weekends are pretty damn awesome in the combat sense, especially with Cheeto Vera and Corey Sanhagen next week as well. So I'm feeling it right now. You know, check my check my uh, blood my blood test, Luke. I'm feeling it right now. You know, yeah, it's, uh, this weekend is great. UFC 286. Obviously, you're going to be doing the post fight show for that. Reminder: 5 p.m. start for the main card for UFC 286 on Saturday. So I guess you'll be on air roughly 7:38 p.m. And then, as you indicated, next week we're going to hit the bird to go to Las Vegas. Going to be great. Cannot wait. By the way, I saw both guys in camp. Both look to be in tremendous condition. Plant, in particular, looks like he has had the camp of his life. Yes. So I'm excited. I'm Dude, I cannot wait for the face-offs. I cannot wait for the presser. I, dude, it's one of those week uh, fight weeks where, like, every day you just know it's going to be wild as shit, especially because boxing. Boxing is... Crazy. So I, I'm, and, and, and the fight itself, dude, the fight itself is going to be yeah, great. Yeah, I saw an interview. Fantastic. I saw an interview with Eddie Hearn. He did one with Marcos Villegas, BC, 
And he was giving this fight tons of praise. Of course, he has nothing yeah. to do with it, but he wasn't shitting on it at all. You can't. It's a great well, fight. He'd love to put Canelo against the winner, right? You know, Canelo's going to return of course. May 6th against John Ryder in Mexico, a mandatory uh, defense, his first fight back in Guadalajara. But, Luke, quickly for next week, if you're not following Showtime Sports on YouTube, now would be the time. You're going to want to check out the All Access episode, setting up that fight, and then Luke Thomas, myself, and some very, very big-name special guests are going to be on the scene. Thursday's press conference, Friday's weigh-in, Saturday night, the prelims, um... This is going to be like real heat between these two fighters. So don't miss it. We'll be having interviews on the ground with both of them during these events. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. A very sneaky good uh, pay-per-view undercard as well along with that. So don't miss that. But Luke, today is more about the old cage fighting and the idea that Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman are going to meet for the damn third time tomorrow. Um, see, can I say something yeah. real quick? I know, I I know you're going to plug your interview with uh, Kamaru Usman, so I apologize for cutting you off. No, I, I didn't talk yeah, over you yeah. because Siri got activated in my earphone. Um, I I didn't even know that Gabe Rosado was fighting Zerto Ramirez tomorrow. I didn't yeah. even know until today. Yeah, I don't like that, Luke. Moving up like two weight divisions, you know. <laughs> that's a I terrible mean, just, fight. That's a terrible matchup for him. I I mean, he's you know he's game as hell, and he always takes. I tough respect fights Gabe and, Rosado. I respect him, but Jesus, dude, at this I stage, I just watched. He was great in Creed One too. I just watched that with my kids the other day. So love that man, but not now, not this weight class. We'll be touching very quickly on that later. Uh, but Luke, the trilogy is here, and before we we get back into it, what we missed the last few days and leading in, of course, to our OK Bet segment, because the, the people are waiting. With bated breath. Um, anything else, Luke? I don't. I mean, you know, do we have any ads to sell? I'd love to sell ads. Where, where's AG One? I'd love, love to we, sell you we, something. What we do you used got? to sell all the ads, and uh, our viewers complained, and now we don't sell any of the ads. But we do get nominated for awards. BC, you want to tell them what we're up for here? Yeah, I'd love to. So here's the deal, folks. It's called um, the Best Combat Sports Podcast, nominated by Sports Podcast Group. So they're the group that did Pod Live. You saw us co-headline their festival last year we were combat sports of the year then they named us sports podcast of the year but luke i don't know if you saw the nominees for this year it's getting pretty heated up in here era hawani's mma show um inside boxing live with dan canobio and chris algeri uh remember uh renee renee paquette luke from wwe fame she's her podcast is nominated as well a bunch of other big time boxing ones like chris manick so it's some uh, pretty serious company that we're up against, but if you think we are, once again, the best combat sports podcast of the calendar year, QR code on your screen or go to sportspodcastgroup.com. Register vote. Look, it takes like 30 seconds. You don't need to become a leard or a lord to do it. I don't need your credit card info, but if you believe in us on this level, then keep us going. It, look, what, people are always like, what do I get out of it? What do I get out of creating a fake email address 37 times and making you guys successful? Luke, why don't you tell the people what they get? They, if they vote for us? Yeah. They get probably something pretty great. I don't know what that would be, but every That's time we win stuff. one of these, we get to go. Well, here's the thing. Every time we win one of these, <laughs> we circle back with the bosses and we're like, hey. Yeah. What's good? We're like, how and you like this come now? Up with something. We're like, do you like ball bags, right? <laughs> well, how do you like this one, right? That's what we tell them, Luke. Not not exactly in those in that straight. Like, not quite in those terms, but yeah. 
All right, and as we were teasing earlier, lots of bonus content at youtube.com slash morning combat. My sit down with Kamaru Usman to get inside the mind of the former champion, along with our pregame preview with Chuck Mindenhall. There's probably other stuff I forgot about in there that you might watch. You know, people are always like, BC, why are you always interviewing all these boxing heads and you're content with low, low outage on the clicks? Because I love boxing and I want you to love it the same way I do. Like your uh, record collection of various jam bands, just absolutely high as fuck on ketamine playing nonsense. Hopefully, Luke. Hopefully. <laughs> all right. All the pre-show bullshit is before us. Let's move on. Topic number one on this Friday. Uh, this is a Gaff Pierre production on the ones and twos. So shout out behind the scenes. Here we go, Luke. UFC 286. Uh, let's recap the last couple of days since Wednesday, the news and notes, the latest press conference and all that atop the card in London, obviously on Saturday, O2 Arena. It is the third meeting between Leon Edwards and Kamara Usman. Luke, I watched the press conference and, you know, you know who the MVP of the press conference was? John Anik on the last question when he's like, you damn fucking right. I'm excited about this fight. I was like, yeah, I'm feeling it, J.A. right along with you. But Luke, did you like that little exchange there? When Kamara Usman was trying to rile up old Rocky and was like, what's your excuse for the first fight? And Leon was like, what's your excuse for that fucking head kick you got? Uh, I popped for that. You? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's just funny. Like, of all the people that we thought would have been, like, the real big adversary for Kamara, you would have thought maybe Gilbert, and Gilbert obviously had a little bit of success early. You would have thought Colby, obviously. Right? Colby was the big one. And not to say the fights weren't close, they were. They were what they were, but in the end, Usman gets the nod in both of them, and he just moves on. I know we're going to talk about Colby later, because hello, he just appeared out of nowhere. But um, that aside, turns out Leon was the guy. Leon didn't give him the best first fight, but it wasn't, it wasn't a beating. And then we all know what happened in the second one. They've sort of turned into rivals and pairs, and, a, and like they offset each other in weird and interesting ways. He actually ended up being like more of Usman's... Um, genuine career rival than I think we ever expected to be, and I think he's carrying that confidence forward into Saturday. I love to see it. Love to see. Yeah, it. it's interesting. I still feel like, and look, it's, it's hard. It's dude, it's really hard. It's really hard not to comment on this fight without feeling like somebody's going to type in the comments that I hate Leon Edwards and I just won't stop. He had a fantastic win in the second one. I do still feel like Colby is Kamaru's chief rival. Obviously, the results of this fight and the fact that we're doing a title trilogy in London with a UK uh, resident defending champion coming in makes it su uh, certainly much bigger. But uh, Colby still feels like the natural rivalry. But in a lot of ways, this fight could decide on Saturday for Kamaru whether Leon actually is his greatest rival of all time or whether that might be himself, Luke, because that is part of the theme on the build to this third fight when we laid out Wednesday's storylines about is this just more about Kamaru fixing mistakes on his focus and on his preparation and all that, or is Leon Edwards really that dude? Uh, I want to play video of the face-off here, and I want to just get your final closing comments on the week that, that was you know at large in this close-up. Dude, Leon seems r really confident. He's not acting like the happy-to-be-there potential one-hit wonder, Luke. He's acting like the defending champion in his home country. So I got to believe a lot of these narratives may not matter as much as the narrative of who actually on the X's and O's is, is favored to win this one come Saturday. Yeah, you know, listen, look at this uh, stare-down. Boy, that's an intense one. That's a great one. And, you know, you already know this, but it's just worth reminding. Like, these guys are not here to lay down at all. Um, both are, I guarantee you, fundamentally in their heart of hearts believe 
they're going to get their hand raised Saturday. Obviously, we'll see what happens. Is it's more than just what you believe, but dude, that's such a. I love the confidence in Leon because he's usually kind of demure, you know, like not happy to be there, but like all this stuff. And I'm sure he, I'm sure he does treat it like a formality, you know, because it is. But I don't know. You he like to your point that beaming confidence is just breaking through the concrete of yeah. his sort of you know that that veneer he has of kind of quiet and subdued. You can see it. He can't even contain it. And usually he can. It, it, it gives me great hope for a great fight anyway on Saturday. Well, we mentioned Colby Covington, and he does play into this fight suddenly. I know this was mentioned at Thursday's press conference, but Luke, I didn't watch yesterday's press conference until this morning, so I first found out about this this morning when one Colby Covington showed up as the official uh, backup for this main event. He weighed in. He made weight. They had to bring out the old ball blocker there, Luke. Uh, remember they used to just use a tiny towel? Like, poor Misha Tate back in the day. Uh, now you get this whole, you know, oh, this whole beachfront sort of uh, changing room. Luke, this was the best-kept secret in MMA this week. We kept talking about what is happening with Colby Covington. Uh, what's your reaction to seeing that he damn right signed up to be next in line, which could tell you he could be next for the winner. Yeah, I don't understand how he would be next for the winner. To me, I mean, oh, okay, let me back up a step. I can uh, I can understand how he would be next for the winner, but I really hope he's not, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't think he deserves it. I think Bilal Muhammad certainly deserves it a lot more. Again, we're going to see what happens between Gilbert Burns and Jorge Masvidal at UFC 287. Now, folks were saying, okay, so just think, who could it have been? Who would have been a good candidate you could have put there in this slot? Bilal. Burns, you would have thought, maybe would be a good candidate, but I doubt he wants to cut this weight, get off camp, go do this, and then recut again in the beginning or you know first week or second weekend of April, but April uh, 7th and 8th. I just don't think he wanted to do that, right? So that takes him out. So then it leaves Colby and then it leaves Bilal. They went with Colby and not Bilal. You have to ask yourself why they wanted to do that. I, again, I don't think that they think that they're going to need Colby. Everyone weighed in. Everyone looked good. I, I guess he brings a little bit of a sizzle factor because you would get the trilogy in the case of Leon being out. Or you'd get a fresh challenge who would fight probably a lot like Kamaru um, against Leon Edwards. Obviously, they're different, but you can see some overarching similarities. So I get that, but like you could have done the rematch between Bilal and Leon, which you know ended unceremoniously the first time. But there's something there, and obviously Bilal's the more deserving guy. I guess it's just the sizzle factor, right? Just got to be the sizzle factor of available people who they could put in there, and that's what well, they did. If Leon wins here, and you're now the UFC and you're putting your marketing tools behind Rocky as the new champion. And, you know, that's certainly not an awful idea giving the con the country he's connected to in the UK. And I think also, let's be fair, even though Edwards was deemed almost like anti-marketable on the buildup to him finally getting this title shot, I think he's built a, a small but solid brand and image of himself just by being the inspirational Rocky and the speech he gave after the win and all that. But Luke, central casting, you do want a trash-talking competent opponent you know particularly somebody from america that that bo both sides of the pond seem to purposely hate in colby colby is coming off a pay-per-view main event win so it's not egregious i do agree with you you go okay how much longer are we going to hold back Bilal? what you know what kind of hoops does he have to jump through i i know i'd mentioned i'd love to see Bilal against shavkat or you know we got to see what happens in the winner of this gilbert fight but it felt like Colby was being strategic and purposely laying low and not taking fights against rising contenders for an opportunity like this. I know him showing up today and essentially what they get show money. If you weigh in and you make weight and you show up as a potential backup. I don't know if that means he's guaranteed more, but I have to believe to some degree, Luke, even if it's not a guarantee, this is him showing the company. 
I'll play ball if you give me what you what what you want, what what I want. Excuse me, you know, I'll come and cut the weight and show up, but I got to be next. But all that is nice. But what if Usman wins? Nobody wants to see us a third time, Luke. Right? Nobody does. Yeah, and also what off of this long layoff where he had this weird criminal, alleged criminal run in with Jorge Masvidal or whatever. It's just yeah. a weird time. Like of all, the, I mean, and also this, like we're gonna play the hits again. Right, I mean, if Usman wins, do the divisions starting to experience some turnover? It's time to embrace that. There's a lot of divisions where turnover is really necessary. Welterweight is one of them. Just playing the same old fucking hits again. Listen, if Colby goes out there and beats, I don't know, Hamzat or Burns or something, yeah, man, give it to him. Like that would be so validating. No problem, I, I-, I could do it. But his last win was what? The Jorge Masvidal win? Like, yeah. come on, man, you're gonna get a title shot off of that and a fucking layoff? Well, no, dude, I he's... Pre- but I, I, by the way, you're right about one thing. They came to him and whoever else for to fill in the slot. Him doing the UFC a solid like that and making championship weight, we should point out, championship weight, uh, that does them a favor, right? That does them a big yeah. favor. I, they're definitely going to look on that kindly. So we'll see what happens. Well, one thing you have to say about Kobe, he ha- what is it, Colby? Does, what does he have in his belt already? The notches of headlining three pay-per-views already and, you know, headlining a afternoon Fox show and, and you know, do or not. What was that ESPN? The the one in Newark. You know what I'm talking that about? That was on Luke ESPN, but that was in the afternoon as well. It was in the afternoon. It was a featured spot. You had the Trumps in attendance and all that. Um, You know, I feel like he's transitioned into the full time businessman portion of his career. And that's what he's committed to the rest of the way right now uh, when he has at least some leverage coming off of that Masvidal win. Doesn't mean he won't, you know, come in in great shape and be willing to fight, but you think you get my point there. But Luke, quick transition here as we go from main event to co-main, but on the way there, we mentioned nobody's really jumping through hoops to see Usman versus Colby 3. One sort of bubbling narrative I've been hearing people talk about, whether it's like podcast clips or the general message board that is Twitter, of, hey, if Usman comes back and regains his title, he'll be 36 in May. He just did a big-time movie like... Would he possibly retire? And I know Leon's already said, I'm not just going to beat him a second time. I'm going to retire him. I, you know, is there any idea here, Luke, that that maybe Usman isn't completely long for this beside, beyond this one fight? That that maybe, you know, Colby knows something we don't? I don't think that's crazy. I mean, the guy is, we mentioned 35, excuse me, <sighs> pardon me, going on 36 in a couple of months or less. And... Dude, I mean, I, listen, if he loses, I think it's very up in the air. There's some ways in which he could still have some big fights and get some big paychecks. But if he gets, like, finished again, you know, we saw what happened to Tyron Woodley, dude. When he fell off, he fell off a cliff almost yeah. instantly. You know, almost yeah. instantly. When you, I mean, Dana one time said this, and he was wrong at the time, but he was right in general. I remember when Jake Shields beat Dan Henderson. And that was very surprising because Hendo was red hot at the time, I believe. And certainly you just thought like the H-bomb, Jake Shields, was it was believed didn't have great uh, kickboxing or striking and he was going to lose. And what ended up happening was Jake Shields took him down repeatedly, passed guard repeatedly, and beat the shit out of Dan Henderson. And I remember after that fight, because um, obviously, you know, there was a bit of a strike force and um, uh, UFC war over Henderson and later on for Shields, but... Dana said, you know, Dan got old in the fight game and you get old overnight. Now, it turned out that Dan had a few more hot performances in him. But in general, BC, you know it as well as in boxing. When you get old, you get old like that. And there's no coming back whatsoever. Especially in this division, Luke. This is one of the last divisions where that that 
speed, athleticism, reaction time, timing, all that stuff still really, really matters. That's why I thought, you know, what Woodley was doing at 35, 36 with his reign was really impressive. But when he fell off, he fell the freaking hell off. There's no question about it. It's why, why, look, could Usman reinvent himself as a wrestling middleweight, potentially? Yeah, it's possible. But, But it is an interesting thought. You know, you lose the title in that way. But you take time off, you come back. What if he regains it? What if he just says, I mean, if he retires after a win here, Luke, he'd be something like 22 and 2. Uh, he would have avenged the only, you know, elite loss he had in the UFC. He'd have the second longest win streak in company history. He'd have five title defenses. He'd kind of already be in that, you know, the people that are standing right outside the, the door of the upper room I mean, in terms of his accomplishments, in terms of his hierarchy as one of the greatest, you know, reigning champions that reached pound for pound number one status. It's not crazy or impossible. Uh, one thing I didn't mention, just updating you, the odds for this main event for, from our friends at Caesars, minus 240 Usman, plus 200 Edwards. Luke, let's transition to this co-main event and get a quick peek at the stare down we saw after Thursday's press conference. Justin Gaethje coming in as your underdog at plus 190, minus 230, the red hot Raphael Faziv and a 6 fight win streak it's been respectful and cordial but you could feel the the intensity brewing between them here Luke boy Fazeev looks like the world's toughest barista out of Aurora Colorado does he not <laughs> I mean he'll, he'll he'll serve you a uh a frappuccino and then serve you a uh you know a fucking knuckle sandwich right behind oh, yeah. it um, and, his, but yeah, and dude. his supervisor Pat Cummins will be there to, to oversee it all Luke <laughs> That's a that's a good pull. That's a good pull. I like that one. But yeah, everyone, those two fights, man. We said it. Like the rest of the card, you know, you know, it's gonna. You may like it. You may not. It's not. It's there's nothing necessarily all that special about it. these top two fights. Oof, they're just. It's just wagyu beef. That's what it is. Just oh tremendous. yeah, oh it is. It is our colleague in this CBS Sports fraternity here in MK abroad is a man who's over that border in Canada and Vancouver, Shaquille Majori. And look, he caught up with the highlight this week. And one of those key questions that you and I had during Wednesday's show when kind of trying to handicap this matchup is, is the wrestler that's still inside Justin Gaethje that never comes out for UFC fights, is there some potential, you know, mid-30s reinvention here for him? Uh, Shaq asked Justin Gaethje something similar to that. Let's get his response about whether his wrestling will be a factor. What are the chances on a scale of 1 to 10 that we're going to see that first Justin Gaethje takedown in the UFC on Saturday? I'm going to say a 6. Is that significantly higher than you would have said in like past fights? Probably. Probably. I think, um, yeah, I think it's always something that uh, you should make them think about. So I'll, uh, I'll ponder that. Yeah, do you think I, – I know you've said in the past that it's like it's almost like your mind or your body won't let you come fight night. Is that something that, like, you can sort of – how do you sort of combat that? How do you make yourself more willing to do it on fight night? Yeah, I mean, it's always a risk assessment, obviously. Um, you know, it's never – you know, up until I got TKO'd by Eddie Alvarez and same with Poirier, you know, I thought I was being more successful in that area. Um, so I didn't necessarily find it – you know, necessary to to take that take that shot, um, you know, against Habib and Oliveira. You know, I didn't want to take it to the ground because they've been doing jujitsu their whole life, and you know, I'm a wrestler. So, Luke, sixty percent chance is wait. First of all, Shaq saying he's never attempted or, or never landed a takedown in the UFC. 
Sorry, I, I hear two of you. I, I'm having trouble with it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, pun- hit the one in the middle. There you go. All right. Yeah. There we go. One more time. Uh, is is Shaq saying, first of all, that Gaethje has never even attempted a, a takedown in the UFC yet? Or is he saying he's uh, never landed one? He, I don't think he's even ever attempted one. I That's can double wild. check that if you if Considering like. his wrestling acumen, and I know this has been a recurring theme that he doesn't use his wrestling, but I didn't realize it was that extreme. Uh, do you get any feeling, Luke, with the 60% offering that he will? No, probably. Oh, he did attempt to take down on Eddie Alvarez. So okay. he, he didn't get it, but he did attempt one on Eddie Alvarez. Um, he did not attempt one on Poirier. I'll go through the list here. But uh, remember, people say, well, he doesn't act like a wrestler. Well, he doesn't act like an offensive wrestler. He routinely acts like a defensive wrestler. I I do think that's worth pointing out. Like, he doesn't use his wrestling in an offensive way. Um, you, I think you might see it. I think you might see it, but like... First of all, Fazeev has really good... I, I said this on Wednesday, BC. Fazeev has fucking great takedown defense. Like, great takedown defense. So, even if he was able to get one, I don't believe he's going to be able to hold him down. I don't think he's going to try to hold him down. And I definitely don't think it's something he can just routinely go back to. So, to me, it's like, of all the fights where you were wondering, will he use it? I don't think this is a good opponent to even try that on. I mean, a little bit, maybe, sure, mix it up, you know, fine. But, like, as a, okay, this is going to be a wrestling-based game plan. Against this dude? Mm, I don't think that's all that smart, you know? I hear you. And, look, at the end of the day, Luke, he turns into a a violent superhero. uh, And that's what he does. But if you have ever wondered about the process to become that, We've got one more clip from Shaq and one more plug to the Shaq MMA YouTube channel for for the full interviews, Roman Delize, among others this week. Here's Justin Gaethje on becoming the highlight. Could you describe what that dark place is like? How do you get out of that dark place post-fight? Yeah, um, you know, as each day comes, you know, you get closer to the fight, you go to a darker place. I mean, the chaos that we have to that will be that will be my life on Saturday night is mm. the most chaotic situation that you could probably put yourself into. Um, and in order to have confidence and survive in that situation, you have to be content with the outcomes. Um, the reason we're all such big fans of this fight is because anything can happen at any moment. Yeah. And if you're not content with that outcome, then you know it's so scary. Um, so you know, knowing that I have such a supportive and loving family that I can always fall back on no matter if I win lose um 100 times in a row or one way or the other that brings me uh the confidence and allows me to to go there because you know they they know that I'm giving max effort and that's that's all that I can expect for myself look is there a good life lesson in there and embracing what could go wrong and being okay with that potential I think you have to I mean, all these fighters are like, you know, I don't think about this and I only focus on that. And it's like, listen, man, I'm not, you know, I don't need to be telling fighters what mental state they have to get ready for. Like, like that's their thing. And I'm not in any position to tell them otherwise. What I can say is just based on my experience, the fighters who uh, in a more veteran senior role who are more comfortable with themselves, they're comfortable with difficulty they may have had a loss or two on their career, you know, still high level, but, you know, not a perfect record. Even John Jones has a perfect record or something close to it. But, you know, you see him now, they embrace like all the things that could go wrong. They embrace all the things that, um, you know, that all the scenarios you have to think about. And everyone's like, oh, I train in bad spots. I don't mean that. I mean, like, 
you'll see younger fighters won't even entertain the idea. Like, you ask them a question, they'll be like, hey, uh, if you don't win this, what might happen? They're like, I'm not even thinking about that. And senior fighters certainly don't focus on it either, but they let in what I'm going to call uh, a certain amount of combat rationality. They have a little bit more combat rationality, but listen, bad things do happen. You do get hurt. You do get knocked down. You might get cut, whatever. And they really begin to think about and process those things, and they try to make more cool, even-headed decisions about what they have to do and what they're up against both before the fight and during. I think you're seeing a little bit of that combat veteran rationality peek through with a guy who I think rejected all of that early in his career. He's made a little bit more space for it. And, you know, yes, it didn't go well against Olivero Habib, but in general, I think it's improved his results. By the way, BC, lastly, so I went through the whole record in UFC. I don't know about World Series of Fighting or whatever, but in UFC, he's not attempted any one takedown except in the Alvarez fight. And I think even that one was like a half-hearted one. Yeah, wow, that's wild. Even even with the reputation, that's wild that it hasn't even been the threat of an attempted one to plant that seed. Wow, there you go. All right, Luke, topic number two is America's favorite. MMA, boxing, bare knuckle, whatever you got. Bok, uh, betting segment. Yeah, all right, okay, yeah, okay, bet. Your ass, all right? Yeah, let's run the graphic. There we go. Okay, bet. Oh, this is Luke where we go head-to-head picking five each in the five prepared categories. Uh, if there's any, we try to avoid any duplicate bets except for that big main event of the weekend. Uh, let's see what we got today. An update on the standings. We talked about it on Monday. Luke had the golden sombrero. He had the R. Kelly special 0-5 last week. Did Just I do that on everyone. Wait, has that happened yet? I'm trying to remember. I'm the first 0 and 5. I'm the first okay. one. You had, right. I think, one, one and four, but I I'm think the I first had two 0 and one five. and four. I mean, I was scraping the 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 resin yeah, off the maybe. you know closet floor for a while just to get by, Luke. Last week, though, I went two and three, which was good enough to claw back within five of Luke. 18 and 16 overall for Luke, which is, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't whiten your teeth over that, Luke, and make betting. Yeah, I mean, videos listen, call you know who I am? Out. I'm like I'm like the Washington Wizards on a hot streak. It's fine, yeah. but it ain't gonna go anywhere. You yeah. know what I mean? And your boy BC, 13 and 21, but you know, a lot like the history of my career in life. You know, I've got to, I've got to kind of scrape that bottom first, Luke, but that come up, right? That come back. Oh man. I mean, yeah, at, by the end of it, Luke, I won't want to come back down from this cloud. You know what I'm saying, Luke? This cloud. Then why do you What song is that? Is that, is that glycerine? No, it's not glycerine. What no, is that? No, it's a, it's a come down by Bush, Yo, Luke. Yes. It, it changed that, my life. Is that and, from the first yeah. album? Is that, what is that, 16 Stone? I or? think that's a 16 Stone uh, creation, but I could get dead wrong for that. It's one of the, you know, the first two albums were the, were the ones. Like, those were the, I mean, they were good. They were really good. I mean, okay, Creed, uh, not Creed, fuck Creed. Uh, Bush, to me, not an elite band, but produced upwards of four, like, legit elite radio hits luke that that you know kept some level of badassery remember they did that conference that that concert shirtless in the rain uh that time on mtv and he could have got electrocuted and it was kind of badass you know no all right by the way i I, I don't know if you saw rolling stone put out the list of the top 100 metal songs of all time oh yeah how many cannibal corpse in there coming in at 93 cannibal corpse hammer smashed face yeah, yes. why wouldn't you? Why, why, why wouldn't you? Uh, that's it. I'd have to. I'm gonna check that out. That's a great countdown. I like that. I like probably a lot of Ozzy in there, right? I mean, this can. Be- there, yep. There's a, there's a fair amount of Sabbath and uh, Ozzy in there. Yep. Yeah. All right, Luke. Okay, bet this week you have champions advantage. Are you going first or second? Um, I will go first. I will go first today. All right, main first. event UFC 286. Take it over. 
All right, main event. So this one, like last week, now both of us were wrong last week, but we've been right before when we both had the same idea. So obviously we're going to go just 286. We're not going to look at any of the boxing cards. BC, I'm going to get right to it. I really, I did struggle with this one in the end, and I do have questions about who I picked, but I feel fairly confident in saying, I think Kamara Usman's going to regain his title tomorrow. What gives me pause are the things that give everyone pause. The condition relative about, uh, or I should say, um, Kamaru's knees and more generally his age. How is he going to react to losing via head kick? Um, you know, what changes can he make? But the thing for me is, BC, winning those three middle rounds, clearly having an impression of what you have to do to win those ones, getting him backed up against the fence line, putting pressure on him. I don't know if it's going to be a great fight, BC. It might be kind of a boring slash ugly fight. We'll have to see. I don't know. I don't have a great feeling about that one way or the other. But I just feel like I've said it every time we do these picks, I say the same thing because it really matters. Skills win fights, and Leon is highly skilled, but in a lot of the areas where this fight is likely to be contested, I think Usman's just a little bit ahead. We shall see, but I like Kamar Usman to win on Saturday. Luke, remember that quote from Apollo Creed at the end of Rocky Three. By the way, watching Creed 2 tonight with the kids, hitting the IMAX theater tomorrow, Luke. Okay, so we're going to bring this thing home here. But you remember before that sparring, that, that third fight, the unofficial fight in the sparring ring with Rocky, you know, the ding-ding, uh, Apollo took his mouthpiece out and said, hold up, you fight great, but I'm a great fighter. And Luke, I kind of feel like that. If you understand what that means in this fight, it's like, what did, what did the sound we played on Wednesday from my interview with Kamaro where he said, I understand the concern of all these people of, will I bounce back, the age, the knockout, the all that stuff. But he goes, those are fears for ordinary people. I'm extraordinary. And look, I understand Kamaro can be very cheesy, and some people think he's always kind of acting fake, and to them, that's, like, cringy. It's always borderline with Kamaro, but I think it's right, though, this time. Like, I've underestimated Leon too much, and I admit that, right? As I continue to turn all the narratives of and us. picks against Both him. of us have underestimated right. Leon Edwards. But here's the deal. If I get the best of Leon Edwards on Saturday, and I get a focused, hungry, still got it with purpose Kamaro Usman... He's the better fighter. He has more ways to win. Um, yes, a wild kick could happen at any time, and that wasn't necessarily wild. It was calculated, but you know what I'm saying there. I expect Edwards to compete. I expect him to be in positions to have a shot at winning a decision here. But the ability to bring the fight to the ground, and I think you're going to see the most possibly motivated Kumaro you could ever have. I mean, to hear him talk about, for the first time, enjoying the sport again. I think, Luke, we do sometimes underestimate when somebody's at that level, carrying the, the stardom on your shoulders and, you know, the interviews and when you get the movie opportunities and all that stuff. You know, for some, like a Conor McGregor, that's that's all they ever want to know. Normal people, Luke, can't, uh, can't or shouldn't want that all the time, and I think that that can distract you. So is Kamaru Usman normal or is he extraordinary? I think as a person, he's normal. I think as a fighter, he's extraordinary. He's going to win this. We make the same bet. Uh, it's why he's the betting favorite, okay? No one's trying to crush Rocky's dreams. Luke, I come through this experience loving me some Leon Edwards. But is it more likely in history that he's Matt Serra or more likely that he's like, you know, Frankie Edgar taking the title from BJ and just going, right? I mean, Luke, it's, it's you know where it's more likely right now, okay? And the we thing play is, the, the people forget the, this. The, the, first, the first Penn and Edgar fight was highly disputed. Yes. Um, in fact, I did think Penn won that one, actually. Um, and then what, what, what you didn't realize in time was that one guy was kind of here and then Edgar was surging and there was this really close performance. 
But the reality was one guy was just moving in this direction. So when they met later, he was clearly superior. That just didn't happen in this fight. They, truly, I say it again, nothing accidental about that Leon Edwards KO. He timed it. He set it up. He read it. Fucking great. Uh, but Kamaru dominating the middle portion of that fight in the way that he did, it's just hard to look past that. It is. It is. And I get the elevation change this time. I get the the buoyancy, Luke, as we continue to... to man, I'm all over that word right now. Um, the buoyancy of fighting in front of your home country. Yeah, dude, there's going to be a, a very good Leon Edwards in front of you. The only way to once again beat him and do it in the somewhat one-sided fashion is to be this great. I think Kamaru still got it. Luke... Give me a favorite for the weekend, either UFC 286 or I guess you could have picked off the menu, Luke. I picked one boxing match. Spoiler alert. Right? You did pick one boxing match. I did not. Um, I'm actually not going to give away your pick because that would be wrong. But I'll just say you took my pick for this one. So I actually like your pick on this one much better than mine. I had to struggle to find one. And it's not like this was my number one choice even even after picking or not not being able to pick the one you did. Uh, because I want to fit some of the other fights in other positions. So I'm a little nervous about this one. But I'm going to go Marvin Vittori over Roman Delize. Now, obviously, we know the story. Delize is as hot as he's ever been, just running over Jack Hermanson. And no doubt about it, Marvin Vittori has had his struggles. But the fact that basically, not counting the shoe-face fight, which I would pick Vittori to win that one 10 times out of 10 at this point, his only other losses have come to the champions. I, I just don't know if Delize is that guy. Now, of course, he could be. That's why I'm nervous about this one. I take all the issues about Marvin Vittori seriously. I do think he needs to work on his development. He needs to get some skills that he can really lord over the division. But even with what he's got, I think he's too sturdy, too defensively sound, too big uh, for Roman Delize over the course of three rounds. And I think Delize is going to make some mistakes, whereas... I think Marvin's a little bit more meat and potatoes, but on a good in a good way in this particular context. Give me Marvin Vittori at minus two eighty over Roman Delize. That's a, that. I that know. Is... I know. Because I almost here's the thing. I almost picked Delize as my upset. So pick. did I, dude. I had Delize yeah. in like a bunch of different categories on this OK Bet strip, and then I end up leaving him off because yes, he has to make a big leap here against a Vittori who only looks compromised against the super elite. But, man, uh, so yeah, so Fazeev, my, so Fazeev at this point, but I'm sorry, not Fazeev. Let me go back to this. Roman Delize is plus 230, opposite the minus 280. I, ultimately, Luke, that is the safer pick, that Vittori can grind this out, can do a little bit of wrestling, a little bit of striking, right, and just, and just not be dominated in the way that guys right below that level were when Delize lands that big shot. And remember, they've trained together, so there's some familiarity with their game. You know, um, who's fought better guys? Dude, Vittori has fought much better guys. And they had the same competition. They both fought Jack Hermanson, and Vittori's was not a great fight, whereas Delize ran through him. Still, you know, it's it's just hard for me to completely discount Marvin Vittori. I'll say this. If Delize wins this one, shit, dude. Give that guy a title shot because he is ready to go. Yeah, he's, he's rip-roaring and ready to go, that Caucasian Luke. Let's go to my pick of a favorite... <laughs> I struggled on this one. I struggled a lot. I thought we we were counting out Justin Gaethje, and then I was talking myself back into it, and then I didn't know where to go because this fight, to be fair, in the lightweight division is such a good one. But, Luke, minus 230, your favorite is Rafael Fazeev, and I'm going to take him to beat the plus 190 Justin Gaethje. I'm going to stick with my gut instincts here. Um, I don't think Gaethje is, is washed and is going to fall apart. I don't. I'm betting on ultimately the skill 
and poise of Raphael Fazeev, who is going to have to keep that distance, as we mentioned. But I think Gaethje, I mean, Gaethje's always hittable, even when he's getting, as you said on Wednesday, even when he's landing and setting up perfectly these devastating combinations. And, you know, he does have wrinkle to his game when he wants to offensively. He, there is His defense is his offensive pressure, so you can hit him. Fazeev's going to have a chance to cut him, have a chance to hurt him. And, um, you know, I heard Gaethje talking about the, the Charles Oliveira fight. I'm not saying, you know, Fazeev is Charles Oliveira, but... You know, Ga- Gaethje got hurt right away in that one, like 10 seconds in pretty badly, uh, you know, right to the nose across the face. And he really never recovered, uh, you know, in terms of getting that center balance again. And, you know, it's not maybe not surprising or a big deal because this guy lives in that chaos. But don't underestimate Gaethje also loves to be in that chaos, but be getting the better of you, you know, and the, and he he operates well within that. Um, there are potentials here for for Fazeev to hurt to really hurt him and and get him off of his game, and I think that's going to make it potentially just a little bit easier for him to keep that distance, outstrike, show us the slickness, but always be a knockout threat. But Luke, I think he's going to get a decision here. It's not part of the bet, but I'm going to take hmm. Fazeev here by decision. Hmm. I, I like the Fazeev bet. I like it. I think it's a strong one. I think it's good. All right, hit All me right, with that. Go next. Yeah. All right. So underdogs. So this was hard because of some other fights that I had to kind of fit into different places. Um, again, not so convinced by this because his opponent is physical and can do a lot. I'm going to give a slight nod for my underdog pick to Jai Herbert. Jai Herbert has been up and down in the UFC, to be clear. And, you know, uh, at times when he's been down, he's been really down. But I've seen moments of inspiration from him. I've seen some great striking from him. I've seen quickness, um, uh, you know, hometown guy here. He's only a plus 150. He's not a substantial underdog. So don't get me wrong, like if he loses, I'd be like, right. I mean, you know, we've seen that movie before, but I, you know, if we're if we're at if we're if the task is pick an underdog who you really think can get it done here, I think Jai Herbert is well suited to get the upset on Saturday. I'm I'm gonna roll with him. Yeah, he's plus one sixty by Caesars, minus one ninety is Klein. And Luke, we gotta be honest here. Like the the meatball Molly recent explosion, right? That led to her getting the Barstool deal and making all this, you know, fanfare with Patty. It, it hit perfectly in some ways, Luke, because of the 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 that big you know the back to back wins, but that big one in England, uh, that crowd matters. There's always when they go somewhere foreign like this that has incre- incredible fans. There's always going to be a two to three you know hometown people on that undercard who are going to overachieve and kick your screen in by really benefiting. That's why I think that Meatball Molly moment for her, you know, the London crowd was that perfect sort of gateway drug to make that happen. Uh, it could be Herbert here. It could be anybody who's going to benefit from that because, uh, you know, same thing when Bellator goes to Dublin, man. Sometimes magic happens because of that. Dude, look, the crowd can matter at the right moment. There's no question about it. So this whole era of first pandemic and then this elongated stay at the apex for the UFC and PFL kind of playing that small arena without a ton of fans. I'm done with those days, right? Tell Fauci that I'm done with that that shit, Luke. <laughs> I don't think he can stop it anymore. Um uh, but yeah, dude, I think Jai Herbert is real good. And, um, you know, is he the best fighter in the world? No, but he's talented. I, I, I like to, I'd like to give him a shot. Okay, there we go. Luke, my underdog pick. Look, you you can question my motives or, or my credibility here, Luke, when it comes to the women's fight game or this 125-pound division. But, Luke, I follow this division closely. And that's the truth. 
And I'm going to tell you right here, Jennifer Maya at plus 150 is the potential, the potential of some very easy money against a fighter I like a lot in King Casey O'Neill, who's unbeaten, who's got some hype and momentum behind her, fights very aggressively, but she is coming off a very legitimate leg injury. And as much as I've loved the fighting spirit of of here of um, Casey O'Neill, and you mix that with the idea of her potential... She's not fully, completely a, a well-rounded fighter at this level, and it's, there's still some elements of learning on a job. And it, she's had some close fights, and it feels like a a leveling out loss is in her in her uh, future, and she can deve- you know benefit from it. Maya kind of is that perfect opponent from a stubborn standpoint. The wrestling game, she does land big shots from the outside. She can get she can get her offense off enough. This is a tough fight for O'Neal, Luke. I, I think Jennifer Maya, who's had two, two, I think even three recent losses at the very high level, the Chukagians, you know, the, the Shevchenko's that level, she can win this fight, and I think the odds are off, Luke. I'm going Jennifer Maya here. All right, fair enough. For my over-under claim, uh, BC, I'm going to go with, I'm going to take the under on Mohamed Mokayev taking on Jafel Filio. Jafel Filio coming off of the Contender Series, very dominant, so, yeah, Contender Series. Very dominant, I think, first-round uh, striking finish that he got. Mokayev has had a couple of problems with ground and pound, but he has very good control, and obviously he rebounded with a finish in his last contest, the one before that in London. Not his, I mean, he won, but it wasn't his best performance. Still, he is getting better. He is, he is, I think, putting things together. He is obviously heavily favored to win this one. I think he will get it done inside the distance. So take, I take Mokayev and Filio to, take, uh, to go the under. Okay, my over-under, Luke, will go to that DAZN boxing main event there as Gilbert Gilberto Zerto Ramirez, fresh off the very humbling loss, one-sided loss to Dimitri Bivol, first loss of his career in that light heavyweight title fight. Um, if we could switch the camera back on this guy right here. This guy, yeah, that'd be great, thank you. Um, I'd like to tell you that he's fighting Gabe Rosado, like we mentioned, and, uh, you know, He's moving way up in way. It's way past it. Luke, the, Gabe Rosado cuts he, every fight. You know, he gets cut. So it's either going to be a cut or it'll be some form of a stoppage here, maybe a mercy stoppage to some level. It's going to take the under. I think this is easy money, but I need it. I'm down by five points against you. So go to the next one, Luke. KO or sub. What do you got? All right. KO or sub. I am going to go with sub. And I'm going to go with Juliana Miller taking on Veronica Hardy, uh, uh, formerly Veronica Macedo. I I think she did change it fully. I don't think it's Veronica Macedo Hardy. I think it's just Hardy. But either way, um, you know, Veronica Hardy hasn't competed in a while. She's six and four. Um, We met her backstage. She seems quite lovely, quite nice. Uh, And Juliana Miller, you know, doesn't have a ton of experience coming off the Ultimate Fighter. You know, you can pick a lot in her game that is in need of development. I don't know that it was wise to come to the UFC this quickly, but... In terms of her submission grappling, it's excellent. She actually has a win in EBI via overtime rules over um, Bia Mesquita, which is like a huge win. That's a, I mean, that's a dominant world-level um, champion, actually, in the black belt division. And Miller actually beat her in EBI rules. So take that for what it's worth. Like, that is a, she can, well, if she gets her hands on you, she gets the takedown, she is probably vastly superior to Hardy on the ground. So I think that one's going to end in sub, BC. Yeah, it's an interesting pick. I think this fight definitely uh, does not go the distance. I almost picked it. I don't it, hear BC. I don't know if that is just me or what. what's going on here. Yeah, I'm I'm still here. All right, there we go. Should I Luke, take it away, you, folks? What's happening here? Luke, can you hear me now? I mean, what are we doing here? Can you hear me now, Luke? No? Uh, Bueller? Uh, Fry? 
There we go. Oh, now I hear you. Now I hear All you. But right, it's my, uh, it's my headphones, I think, BC. Yeah, Luke, Put the I camera on BC gonna... for just a second, please. I think Miller's going to win that fight by stoppage. I'm not sure if it's going to be sub or KO, so that'll be interesting in this OK Bet platform. You you inadvertently effed me with the Mokayev pick, Luke, because my KO or sub is going to go submission. Uh, either one could do it here, and I could win this, but, uh, you know, Mokayev, the big favorite, has a ton of subs under his belt already, could really be a long-term player in this division. He's going to pass this test, and it'll probably end up being a push then since you've picked the under, but uh, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. Um, all right. I got audio issues here. Oh, and we're back, Luke Thomas. Wow. We did it, Luke. Uh, it was a technical issue, but uh, it might have even been my fault. But, you know, that's the breaks at this level. People come to expect us to be human. Uh, Luke, I picked Mokayev fight to end via submission. So that's going to end up being a push if it does, because you took the under. We already pushed in the Usman main event, so I I can make I could force a tie here if I sweep my picks and you take the you take the the bagel on the other one. So we'll see what happens here. It is possible. Out. It is possible. So we'll all see. right, let's keep the show rolling here. Topic number three. Hey, random interview. Conor McGregor came up for air. We know he flew to New York. He had, he was on Fox News, wasn't he? On Hannity, Luke, and he did some business stops. He also showed up on the MMA Hour set with Ariel Helwani, and it was. It was nice to see an extended, uh, I know McGregor's also been chatting to some of his, uh, you know, Mac Life cohorts, and, and I saw the uh, mom's basement thing, Luke, but this is Conor McGregor back, and he's talking big ticket items here with Ariel. Maybe the biggest one, maybe not, is he believes he's going to get a welterweight title shot if he defeats Michael Chandler later this year. Luke Thomas, both champs at Thursday's press conference were actually asked about that exact quote. Leon said... As the king, I welcome all challengers, so whoever is next can get it. Kamaru answered, like I've always said, I welcome it, meaning Connor. So if it happens, it happens. Uh, it could probably happen very easily, Luke. Yeah, it probably could. It will depend on how things go with Chandler. Obviously, that's not a gimme fight, but we shall see. We know that Chandler you know, either wins explosively or loses that way. Um so it'll be an interesting contest, but you know why would McGregor want it? Obviously, he'd become the first guy to have three weight class titles in yeah. UFC history. That's sort of what he's chasing here, I think. And uh, he certainly bulked up for it. So I don't know that it's the likeliest scenario, but yeah, damn sure can't dismiss it. Well, Luke Connor told Ariel he has two fights left on his deal, but he'll be with the UFC forever. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. The real question then is when is this Michael Chandler fight going to happen? He did uh, seem to confirm the rumors that there was some incident on set with him and Chandler, but nothing too serious. He actually respects Chandler a lot here, Luke. But the question is, when do we make this fight? Uh, McGregor on USADA he says, I'm not rushing nothing, these hurdles and whatnot, but we're in constant communication and there's an interview scheduled and a meeting happens and then it will be official. But the six months thing, what they had said was two clean tests and off I go. So I assume it won't be long. Well, USADA had a quick response to that quote. Amazing. Uh, let's show that, please. Here we go. And Luke, USADA, this is Aaron Bronstender tweeting out, ultimately said... Uh, while we meet with all athletes who enter or re-enter the pool, we do not currently have a meeting set with Connor as of today. We have not received notice of his coming out of retirement. And they went on to defend their stance, Luke, about the UFC rules, which is six months in active testing. Um, Luke, this escalated quickly overnight. Can you tell us what Connor tweeted and then deleted? 
Well, hold on. We got to back up a step. I'm not going to read the whole entire uh, statement, but leave the statement on the screen if you can, because I do want to read one more time. Oh, sorry about that, guys. I in the did, back. Luke. My I, fault. I read the first paragraph, and then I summed up the second. What are you pointing to exactly? I know, but it's one more thing, and then the second one, I want to do it. So when they say, this is a fair way to ensure an athlete does not use the retirement status to gain an unfair advantage by using prohibited substances yes. during the retirement period. So the reason why I just wanted to highlight what they wrote there is, it is highly unusual for USADA to put out a statement basically in response to an interview off of one fighter. I mean, they do sometimes issue clarifications, but basically what Connor did subsequent to this was he went on a tweeting tirade. Now, he since deleted them. One of them was, you know, Yusada, you're going into the bin, right, the trash. That's one he had. But he had a couple other ones too, right? And I, I got them. I saved them. I sent them out yesterday, and I, I took screenshots of them. Here was a couple of the ones that he had, BC, which I thought were really, really interesting. Uh, here's the first one that I thought was um, of note. Quote, over 70 clean tests, never violated once. I will not be scapegoated by this garbage organization. You are not the be-all, end-all in this equation, USADA. And then someone uh, said something to him about what he was doing, whether he was lying. And he was like, this is the thing that's bothering me. They're putting out these statements in a way that says that, he, in McGregor's view, that makes it seem like McGregor is lying. Now, I don't know who McGregor has talked to, I don't know. It, it seems like there is a, a degree of uh, miscommunication or a lack of communication here between the parties. But look here. Let's just be really honest about what is happening here. McGregor uh, did what he did for what seems like um, what he has said was medical purposes because the injury was so severe he had to go outside of what Usada would have typically allowed to get the kind of treatment that he wanted. And now he has to get back in. He is using the two testing rule, and then he is assuming. I think rightly, that the UFC is going to waive the six-month testing period like they did for Brock Lesnar because, folks, in the end, here is just the reality. USADA works for the UFC. They don't control the UFC. They don't, they don't dictate to the UFC. They are paid by the UFC to perform a service, but to the extent that the UFC decides that service impacts their business, they are allowed to go around it. And it looks to me like what's going to happen here is Conor McGregor is just going to bulldoze all the protocol because he's Conor McGregor. I, I will tell you, as someone who has like obviously ex expressed a number of views on, on anti-doping, it, it's funny to watch this. I, candidly, I, I, I'm getting a great deal of enjoyment from it. But at the same time, I, this is not the way it's supposed to go either, right? Yeah. Like the way you would, uh, an ideal scenario would be the fighters working with USADA to craft a policy that someone couldn't do this in. I don't think this is good for the market necessarily either, but might makes right in this business, which we always know, and Connor's going to get his way here. Anyone who thinks USADA is going to stop Connor, boy, I, I would take the fucking under on that one. Well, this, this is going to be a big moment. Now, the moment's not too big because people already have pretty strong opinions about USADA and what role they actually play and whether this is just UFC, you know, dotting their I's and T's and having an insurance safety net. But, um, you know, in the past when they bent, to, to Brock and the UFC the way that happened. And then when he, Luke, I mean, he didn't like barely fail a test. This wasn't picograms. Like Brock failed the shit out of that. That was oh, like, yeah. Brock was using like a motherfucker. I mean, let's that was like Chael Sonnen level or Stefan Bonner and the Anderson Silva fight level of like, yeah, guys, I like you're damn right. I'm using, let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, no, like I, that's what I always wondered about Chael. Like Chael knew he was going to get caught under that old system. Right, Luke? But he's he still to. like, F it, I, you know. Yeah, F it. I mean, like, it's just worth, in his mind, I think it was just worth the risk or whatever. Right, because even if he wins it and then gets stripped, he'll always do the bit that he won it and that he's the real champion. So for someone like him in that spot, he was able to take that ridiculousness and just ride with it. But 
if if this is allowed, especially like, dude, I know it's just tweets, but you know, when you have that many followers and you're at this level, like those are some pretty damning tweets, just straight up, like, unless the UFC, which you know they're not going to do, unless the UFC comes out and is like, Connor, we're fining you for those in a, you know incorrect comments about USADA, and then they put out a release that says Connor McGregor will adhere to our own rules, blah blah blah. That's the only way I would believe that USADA actually is what it's supposed to be, Luke, and not a bit of a dog a pony show in a lot of ways. From, he's, from these he's, various, he's going to run them over. He's going to run them over. But BC, and they're not going to do it. Look, there's no chance that actually happens. There's no chance UFC actually steps in here and tries to like fix it and be like, no, 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 he's wrong, guys. We actually have it. They, they don't care. They don't even care, Luke. They don't even and I, and, care. And, and also, do the advertisers care? Nope. Do the fans care? Nope. Some of the other fighters might care, but even then, given the severity of his injury, I don't think the other fighters really care. Does Michael Chandler seem to care? Nope. Like, I'm just wondering who cares here besides the people who are zealots about this issue. But BC, there's one more aspect to the story that I think is getting lost a little bit, and it, it is worth reminding people. I often ask people to read um, some of the scholarship on anti-doping, which I realize is a fool's errand because it's dry literature and really no one wants to go through it. But it is highly informative when you do. One of the long-standing, well-documented, long prior to UFC and USADA ever getting into business, criticisms of anti-doping is that when you institute it, it actually has a bit of an inverse effect. Namely, we have seen this across numerous sports. What ends up happening is the athletes or the teams or whatever that are very rich and well-positioned to have either lawyers to fight in court or hire their own chemists to get a proprietary blend or whatever, guys who are in control of the power structure, they're able to get past and invert all the rules. Meanwhile, all the people at the lower end of the sporting economic spectrum get run over. Guys like Tom Lawler, bad science. He doesn't have a lot of time and lawyers to fight anything. And they ruined his fucking MMA career. They ruined it. One of the perverse effects of heavy anti-doping is that it actually enables the rich while it penalizes the poor inside that sporting economic spectrum because that's all it really ever can do. It actually can't do much more than that. You are seeing that play out here yet again. Yet again, more evidence from what we already know, well-documented, anti-doping ends up actually being totally ineffective against the rich while being overly punitive against the poor. This was said long before UFC ever signed with USADA. It was a criticism I brought up when they made this deal. Everyone look past it and look at it now. Live, in your face, it is happening in real time. It wasn't made up before. It's not made up now. It is time to look at this and say, does this really benefit the sport? Does it really benefit the athletes if the rich can just do whatever they want and the poor are fucked for years at a time? I ask people to really consider what I've been asking to consider all this time, which is the evidence. Not the, not the talking points that all these entities put out. The evidence. The evidence is fucking clear. It's shitty for people at the bottom. It's great for people at the top. Damn right, Luke. I think that was a speech on, you know, life in general and structures of business and government. I mean, I was shaken to my core, but I think you nailed it, though, just the same. I mean, seriously, it's weird. It's either weird or perfect, depending on your angle, because if this was any other sport or league like the NFL and you know, somebody prominent came out in such an, you know, direct way against one of the 
the inherent structures, like when someone comes out and criticizes officials and then, you know, you typically have a fine around that or some level of, you know, you don't want that message. You don't want the message out there that some of these things could be true. Luke, in general, across the board, the UFC is like, not only we don't care at all, we're not even going to address these issues. Um, they, you know, like with the Dolly incident with Connor, like find areas that they can actually market and benefit from it. That that's either really good if you don't care about the politics in sports, especially in fighting. And you're like, dude, F all that stuff. But it also it's also absurd that there's just like never a response like this will just go away tomorrow, Luke. And we'll put some more slaps and F it. Fuck it. Fridays in the news cycle. Right. I mean, that's just like the BC again. This is always what happens with doping uh, issues. Always. Always what happens is people clutch their pearls and they wring their hands about how upset they are. But then when you just look around at you ask the individual stakeholders, fans, advertisers, whoever, are you really mad about it? Are you really going to stop watching? Nobody ever says yes. Nobody ever says yes. It's just a fucking lie that people actually care about this. They, they care about the scandal for fun. They don't actually care. You're right. You're right. Uh, Luke McGregor, in closing here, uh, told Ariel he wants to fight twice this year and said, about, again, about the Chandler fight, I assume late summer, maybe a little bit later, depending, but I would like that. So obviously, Luke, we're at month uh, three right now of this year. Uh, the six months could still make a September fight happen if, let's say, behind the scenes, they were, you know, UFC was like, Connor, sign up, dude. Like, let's go. What the hell are we doing? I mean, even that is ridiculous because you're basically allowing him to set the own his own terms of this six-month window. But um, we'll see, Luke. I don't know if he's getting a second fight in after that. Uh, interesting also, Luke, he told Ariel that this fight, this comeback, was actually offered to him as Nate Diaz for a trilogy. He accepted. They brought the offer back. There was, you know, they probably tried to lowball Nate a little and they offered Chandler and they ended up coming back to Connor and going, no, it's going to be Chandler instead and it's going to be the ultimate fighter. Does that surprise you at all? No. Um, you know, in talking to some of Nate's people, it seems to me like, and I know we'll talk about Francis in a minute, but I think they have the same idea that Francis does, which is going to get a boxing fight first. Going to get a boxing fight first. Yeah. Let's get some money. Let's do that. And then, you know, after that, I think it's wide open. Who knows after that? But I just think he wants the boxing fight first. So this is the this was the next best option, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it was interesting to see Connor back at it, Luke. It, some things he said sound like the old, you know, Mystic Mac of old. Other things sound sound quasi delusional. There's gonna be a lot of questions about him coming back from this injury. I mean, the the other point I wanted to bring up was I know he was trying to flex on how, like, I'm a fighter and I'll be fighting until they, you know, until they make me stop. But, look, he basically told Ariel that, like, even if his leg hadn't healed, he was still going to come back and quietly debilitated and not tell anybody and then pull guard the second the fight starts. And he even said he's been working on innovative offense from your back for that case. And it just so happened that the leg healed enough that he feels like he can actually make a legit comeback. Um, <laughs> I'd like to get your thoughts on that, Luke. You know, Connor says some funny stuff, like you know, uh, all of the, all of the, um, touch button the park stuff. I mean, that was Nate, but like all the Edo Edo Portal movement stuff, it all seems kind of silly and crazy. And you're like, well, what is what is really the value here? And sometimes, like against Mayweather, it didn't didn't help him. But I actually would say Connor does have interesting ideas about health and wellness. Uh. Not all of them all the time, but 
he has been a little bit, I, I, you know, he's been a little bit ahead of the game in certain ways, like movement training, function training, things like that. He was he was more willing to embrace, I think, some of those things in ways that others weren't. I don't know what he's got cooked up off of his back. I'd be curious to see it, but I wouldn't be so quick to poo-poo it. I, I think we're often, because Connor just says crazy shit, like we're just going, eh. I would be. No, I believe him. I believe I, I would, he would actually be willing like. to do that. And it's ridiculous. It's kind of what we got on TJ Dillashaw for, right? It's like, okay, cool. You, you'll you fight to the end. But if you're not if you're not able, uh, it's interesting. Anyway, here's a transition from topic three to four. Luke Connor was softly dismissive of Francis Ngannou's choices in walking away from uh, a contract with the UFC. And that takes us to Francis Ngannou, Luke, who caught up with Ariel as well this week on the MMA Hour and gave an update on his free agent quest. Uh, Francis says, I have made a decision without making a done deal. I know what my me- next move is going to be. I know I want to fight boxing first, but after that will be MMA, and I'm going to sign with one MMA promotion. I haven't made a decision on that yet. I'm very close, but PFL and one championship right now, we are very close. We will see. Luke Thomas, um, he said boxing will be first. I'll comment. I'll get his comments on Wilder in a second. But in terms of signing with those two potential free agents there, uh, do you have a, a a preferred one? Do you have a feeling which one over the other can offer more? What, what do you look at for, for this? I mean, this I, don't, move I back don't really understand it. So, like, okay, so there's basically two considerations here that are top of mind for me. First, do they have the money? Um, I suppose PFL and one... Uh, having had relative, especially one relatively recent cash infusions, that maybe they do. I don't think that's totally crazy, but I still wonder exactly what they can really offer him. And the PFL side, obviously, they're probably going to tie a lot of the revenue to whatever he could pull on pay per view for them. Um, so that would be kind of interesting. I I, I want to see how the money works on that one. The second one though is. I don't know who the fuck he's going to fight. Like Bellator would have been a better fit for him. And everyone's like, oh, you work, you know, for Showtime and CBS. Yeah, sure. You know, but like, just tell me. Okay. So if he went to one, who would he fight? To me, you could have the Arjun Buller fight, who was the champion. But the guy that would be more interesting is you and I are big on him, Anatoly Malakin. Now, that would be a hell of a fight. I actually think Malakin would give him a fight, to be perfectly honest. Um, Malakin's a tough fucking guy. He's going to be a big star in the sport. But okay, that's one or two fights you could do. There's Bouchesha there, but. He ain't really ready for a guy like Francis. You go over to PFL, it's like, dude, I, I mean, I don't even know who could even last a round with that guy. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to poo-poo Francis's efforts, but we just have to be realistic where the money is going to come from and how they're going to package that in order to watch him and who the opponents are going to be. You know, I don't know. I don't have high hopes right, outside so, of maybe a Malakin fight. So uh, this is a bad example because um, – uh, Uberim Luke just popped for uh for yeah, PEDs know, in kickboxing. In kickboxing, uh Overeem there and but which is, you know, let let, let them play. <laughs> let them play, Luke. But what if like okay, I'm signing with PFL, I'm going to headline their first pay-per-view and their launch of this and I'm going to fight like an Overeem or something like a free agent big name, something like that. And the money was great and he already had a boxing payday. I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, you wouldn't be crazy excited, but with that there's some vibrancy there, right? To come have a pay-per-view, come back on a loaded card potentially, and then maybe enter their tournament and win their heavyweight championship. Are you saying there's there's nothing there? Not saying there's not nothing there. But the problem with being at the stage where I think Francis or any major, really major pay-per-view star is, is that the other organizations 
aren't really suited for that business. Yeah. Right. That business is exclusive given the way the market is constructed, where the UFC has, again, 80 plus uh, percent or 80 percent roughly of the world's elite talent. The UFC makes 90 percent of all the money made in the industry in general. That relationship works well as a pay-per-view entity when you're with the pay-per-view driver in the business. When you're outside of it, you've kind of outgrown those other organizations. And I, I, I want to be clear about something. 15 years ago when I was getting into the business or, you know, starting out anyway, uh, you know, it wasn't like that. There was much more parity. There was, it was mostly UFC and Pride, but there were other sort of small, especially from like 2001 to 2005, there were some of these smaller shows, not as much money in the game. I'm just sort of pointing out there was much more parity between the promotions. But that has evaporated. It has changed dramatically since that time. And so when you're outside the UFC and you are uh, you have a certain set of business needs and expectations and certain realities, I think in many ways, you know, you you do it in a way where it's outgrowing these smaller promotions. It's a, it's a tough fit. It's not an obvious fit. Um, so I'm curious to see how they're going to make it work. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree on everything you said. I, I don't know the situation with Bellator beyond having seen Scott Coker even recently mention that, you know, they have interest, but it wasn't one of the finalists here that Francis mentioned. You'd love that potential synergy of like, you know, fight Wilder on Showtime pay-per-view and then, you know, fight Ryan Bader for the Bellator heavyweight title, what have you. Um, but it, we'll, we'll find out what happens, where he goes either way. Luke, he was asked by Ariel on whether any of the potential suitors have agreed to the same type of demands he made regarding, like, health care uh, to the UFC. Here's his quote. Guess what? So many of them are coming up with some of the stuff I asked for. They are proposing a plan to work on it, to get it better. Obviously, we can't get everything done at once, but there is a willingness to improve and make things better. I was surprised I didn't even have to fight about it. I didn't even have to ask. There were just... Uh, they were coming up with some offers and proposing terms. Hey, Luke, uh, it got him excited, but I actually think, you know, look, it doesn't matter what side of the line you 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 sit on, whether he made the right move or, you know, because nobody can predict the future. You know, some for, to some people, the, the virtuistic stand he took was everything. To some people, that means nothing here. But um, if this is actually making change across the board, at least in the other big promotions, like that's... That's what happens when you when you take your platform and, you know, risk something to try to make it to try to make good things happen. Like, I, I, I it's great to see that. Yeah, I, listen, I, I will tell you and, and just be honest. Now, you're a boxing fan, I think, first. Um, so, you know, your answer is going to be a little bit skewed here. But just like I think try to put your MMA hat on exclusively. What would you rather see? Would you rather see Francis fight Deontay Wilder in a boxing match, or would you rather see him fight Anatoly Malakin in one? Now, don't get me wrong. I would love to see him. I, I actually think that's a great fight. Uh, I think Malakin would be a, a tough customer. I'd probably favor I, even, you know, Francis to even win. Even uh what's the guy's name, Luke? The, Arjun the Buller, guy? yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. Buller. That guy's fun to watch, too. That'd be a real interesting fight, right? And he can wrestle. That's actually his primary, primary skill set, so that could be interesting for a time, but... You know, the answer is fucking Deontay. Like, dude, like, that fight is amazing. And it's not like the Tyson Fury fight where he got a big name. You know, Wilder doesn't have, as we talk about all the time, doesn't have great fundamentals. You got two guys with insane, freakish KO power. That's just manifestly much more interesting than whatever else is out there. So, you know, I appreciate well, he's going on his own path, but I really, really, really hope whatever happens, whatever else happens, I really hope he can sink a big boxing fight just for his own sake and ours, honestly. Well, it is ridiculous to go from UFC heavyweight champion to a really big boxing fight that, like, actually matters. I mean, like, Connor did that with Floyd, but even though it was Floyd coming out of retirement, he was close enough to competent age where, you know, like, that's that's a big-ass deal. Uh, 
it looks like boxing will be next. And according to Francis, when talking to Ariel, he said, yes, Deontay Wilder is the front runner. At this point, we are closer with Wilder than with anyone else, maybe sometime this summer. And he was asked about the idea of why do a boxing match with Wilder over a hybrid fight or the opposite. And Francis said, I think there's more interest in us boxing because I can give him more of a challenge than he can give me, meaning on the other side in MMA. And that's, yeah, I think that's right, Luke. It's potentially right. Potentially. He it's also not, make it absolutely It's not that flattened. crazy. It's not that I mean, crazy. he also, no matter, the, no matter if he comes in skilled, trained, make good transition or not, you can get absolutely flattened against Deontay Wilder, no matter your skill level. So, uh, no matter your right. toughness level. So, I, I mean, what, what is the potential on, on a pay-per-view like that? What is okay. that potential? Great. That's a great question. I honestly think it's good. I don't know if it's a million buys, but if it's promoted well... Um, I I think it could do a north of 500k buys. I do believe that. I really that's dude, a f- think about that. That's an that's a, like a a, tra- a straight up attraction fight. It's like let's take the two most devastating punchers on the planet. Uh, you know that it's it's it was like when let's take Floyd and, and Connor in their own way, the two most popular, vibrant, whatever you know, right. notorious ones together. Um, this this that's interesting. So I, mean, I don't dude, I, Francis Francis. This is not quite right because Deontay is kind of mocked a little bit for his lack of technical refinement. There is a little bit of that that goes on. And we've talked about like who's the hardest hitter. Deontay's on that list, but some of the other hardest hitters like Julian Jackson or Ernie Shavers, they had it with a wider array of punches than yeah. Deontay does. Deontay's power hand is just it's just the it's the dim mock. He's got it. In some ways, not the technical aspect per se, but like Francis kind of is the Deontay Wilder of MMA in the sense of like who, if you had to say who's got the biggest power punching in boxing, it's right now, it's Deontay. Who's got the biggest power punching in MMA? It's Francis. Put them fucking two guys together. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's just, it's just it, you don't have to be a technical genius to appreciate the fight. It's easy to get the people in. You're bringing two worlds together. You're bringing, you know, like, it's Godzilla versus whoever the fuck. Like, it's just so easy to enjoy and sell. Um, yeah, I, don't, I hope they make it. I really do. Yeah, I'm starting to really get the it's weird. I mean, I never thought we'd be here. You know, I thought if he did do it, you know, there there seemed to be some synergy there with Fury and some of the foundation that they built and trying to promote that. And, and it was like, OK, but, you know, he, there's a lot of ways Francis can win even by losing just by being competitive or showing great toughness or whatever. And obviously there's a lot of ways this could be a very painful payday in that regard. But there's part of him, Luke, that it's not a I, like, again, a lot of it is the money, but I do think it goes back to like, this is like the boyhood dream in Francis. You know, he went, he left his home country to try to become heavyweight boxing champion. He kind of stumbled into MMA in some regards. So um, he's going for it. He's freaking going for it. Uh, let's go to quick hitters here, Luke. Um, I don't think boxing fans were pre- prepared for this. After parting ways with BLK Prime, AB, Adrian Broner, the can man. Anyone can get it, Luke including the last stop on the boxing promotional highway, Don King. This really happened in 2023, Luke. Wow, brother. Look at that picture that that Don King's PR staff uh, emailed everybody after the press release. Uh, No subject line, just the picture, by the way. And there's stacks of cash. There's a cracked cell phone. And... um, I mean, dude, it's crazy. I mean, like, AB's only 33. I know he's got a lot of mileage on him in many ways, Luke. But he's still a four-division champion. He's still got a 34-4-1 record. 
but he only fought once in the last three years. Uh, and he's, you know, skewing much more towards, like, joke falling apart, almost the end of Mike Tyson's reign the last few fights than anything else here. Uh, I don't know what the hell this will mean. Because if you go with Don King, you inevitably are going to take him to court. That's sort of how that works. But um, I get that, like, he's still willing, if he can get somebody into a title fight, to work with everybody. And he put that in the press release. So it's just, man, this screen, this is a different type of uh of funk and i can smell the desperation luke it's amazing don king is in his 90s and he's still out here just swindling these fighters i mean it's unbelievable <laughs> it's un his dude his longevity in the boxing game truly given everything he's dude don i don't know if folks understand this we're old pieces of shit when we were young pieces of shit don king was being mocked as like you know bad for boxing when we were teens, dude, when we yeah. were teens and low these many years later, he's still here doing this. Listen, I don't wish bad for Adrian. I really don't. I don't get any. It doesn't do me any good to root for his demise. I don't get anything out of it. Um, also, like, you know, they're showing a picture with all that money in the front end. It's like, yeah, but how much is Don taking on the back end in the in that yeah. writing? You know, I want well, to no, know. No, seriously, you can go fighter by fighter that have worked with him. You either take him to court or you end up sitting out, you know, a year and a half randomly because, I mean, there's always there's always something bad on that. Didn't but, Dubois uh, just take him to court? I, I prob Dude, it, it's so consistent that, like, <laughs> everybody does. Know. You know what I mean? Like, and the only difference, though, is let's, let's give Bob Arum a lot of credit because they were longtime rivals and roughly the same age. But, you know, Bob's still with a major machine on top. Don has not been relevant for a long time, although – in the last 15 years, you know, whenever he does get a fighter or a champion, he'll, you know, you'll see him again. He'll pop back up. But he um, had like he wow. had like Berman Stavern for a while. Yeah, you know? he's had a couple of guys. Amir Imam. He is. He's had a couple of random guys pop up. Yeah. I mean, I remember uh, Vanish Martirosian went went with him for that one fight and it was like a deal with the devil type thing. But I, I think Don King helped Vanish get the triple G fight last minute. Um, something like that. Anyway, Luke, we'll continue on these quick hitters. We'll, we'll see what happens with AB. Uh, PFL Europe, big splash here. We knew Dan Hardy had a future there, Luke. The announcement, though, yesterday, Dan Hardy is the head of fighter operations for PFL Europe. He's also going to do broadcasting for them. He told us during our MK and UK live show that um, he would have a role in some form also on, uh, I believe, their American broadcast. Luke, this is a really strong hire, but they're they're imploring him to like be a scout on the road, help in matchmaking. Like, this is a big deal here. It's a great deal. You know, obviously, uh, we we love Dan Hardy over here at MK. We enjoyed seeing him in London, and obviously we, we met uh, his wife, Veronica, backstage. She was lovely as well. Like, it was just great, and Dan's a good guy. He's a smart guy. He's a hard-working guy, and um, he just seems like um, he's just not many Dan Hardy types in MMA. So the more keys to the kingdom that he can get, I think the better off yeah. we all are. And shout out to Saul, Luke. You know what I mean? Better call Saul, right? Oh, that guy was the Saul's best. the man. He's oh, the man. Yeah. Uh, Luke, UFC announcing a return to Abu Dhabi, not just for season two of Power Slap, but how about a pay-per-view in October? UFC 294. Uh, will you be filling out a credential request for this? Where is this? Uh, Abu Dhabi. Yeah, no. I won't be going to uh, Abu Dhabi. No, I'm good. Thanks. All right. All right. Uh, I've, Luke, been to the Middle East. I've been to the Middle East, BC. I don't need to go to the... Uh... Oh, no. We've heard horror stories on covering fights there, and it's not necessarily like like... Abu Dhabi or the hotel's fall. It's just the the grind. You see, and there's, you if know. you had to go to one Middle Eastern country, where would you go? You can only go one. 
Um, I'd probably go to, uh, I'd go, uh, I don't know. I mean, was, was not go at all an option, Luke? Was that an option? No, you wouldn't go see the great pyramids and all that. No, I would, I would probably consider Israel or Egypt, Luke. Uh, Egypt's would, I've been to Egypt and I've seen the Sphinx and uh, actually went inside one of the, uh, the pyramids, uh, when I was a kid. So I would recommend doing that once in your life. Okay. Okay. Uh, not connected to this because Abu Dhabi card will be October, but Luke, I also saw John Jones had a weird tweet at Stipe in which he basically said, like, I hear July might not be it, but I'm willing to fight you July, October, September, like whenever. Um, I wanted to give you, a, get an updated guess from you at what the International Fight Week main and co-main is. We just talked about the threat of Volkanovski versus Yair being potentially the main or co-main. If it's not John Jones and Stipe, what do you think the other one would be? So you could potentially do a welterweight title fight, just given the timing, depending on how that goes. Like, just imagine for a second that this is unlikely, but that both Leon and Jorge Masvidal win. I mean, I'm not saying that's the fight that I want to see, but that just, there's just no way they wouldn't make it, right? There's just yeah. no way they wouldn't make it. So there are some other opportunities, but I would say losing Jones, I mean, Jones Stipe would be, for the UFC's purposes, and I think the fan appeal, that would be a great fit. I, there's not a lot of there's there's other good fights you could put in that role right but there's not a great substitute for that on the on the radar especially since Connor won't fight till after that I mean I'd, I'd take Wei Lee Rose uh, Rose three but I seem to be the only one pushing for that these days Luke yeah, you might be I haven't heard anything about that division's top in a while have you Strawweight? I haven't heard like any kind of update not recently not recently. Right. I need to get on the ones and twos there. Call up uh, Mick Maynard, Luke, or, or Sean Shelby there. Uh, fight announcements. Hey, you mentioned the one championship unification that they're thinking about. It's got a date March 24th, and it's Arjun Bueller versus Anatoly Malikin uh, to unify this title here, Luke. And uh, yeah, hell yeah. March 24th? No, that's got to be wrong. That's, that'd be a week from now. Is it May 24th? Uh, they, they were supposed to fight, but it got Buller pulled out. So I don't think that fight's on the card anymore uh, with Malikin and Buller. Oh, because I didn't read the fine print closely, Luke. It's off. There you go. Yes. That's the news. Good job, Thank BC. You. Glad you're here. Wow. I just, let me just, I could put the stamp on the envelope and mail the rest of the show in, Luke. Uh, Emily Ducati, <laughs> April 29th, Pollyanna Viana, UFC Vegas 72. Is that, that that's a, you're into that's that? That's a good yeah. one. That's a great one. Emily Ducati's been on my radar for a while. She had a great debut uh, against Jessica Penne. Um, I'm not sure if she's fought since then. I think she may have been lost, actually, but. In general, I think she's good for the opportunity, and Pauline Viana should be a great test. Yep. Okay, that same night, how about this, Luke? April 29th, Armand Sarukian versus Hainato Moicano. Yeah. Oh, Dude. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, what, 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 what is there not to like about that? That is yeah. excellence. Uh, give me more of that. Um, so May 20th, UFC fight night. You know that guy, uh, Slava Claus, Bor Borchef, yes. you know? Uh, he's mm -hmm. back, Luke, the uh, the Mr. Faber product against Mahashate. Is that how you say that? I have to look it up. Let me see. That dude's uh, fun to f this. This is a weird, fun fight, isn't it? This is yeah. A, I forget is... how you pronounce his name. He actually has. He goes by. He's like Sting. He goes with just the one name sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that um, should be fine. I should be into that, Luke. Uh, June third, Tim Elliott versus Alan Nascimento. You don't care about that. Not much. I do. I do. I'm a big Tim Elliott guy. Uh, Eric Anders, Mark Andre Burial. Who's writing these? That's June 10th, Luke. Uh, same night, Miranda Maverick against Jasmine 
Jazz Davisius. I'm into yes. that one. That's know? a great one. Jesu Davisius. That's a great one. Uh, looking forward to see those, if those two can take a step forward in their career. Danny Sabatello recently re-signed with Bellator. He comes back at Bellator 294 against Marcos Breno. I don't mm-hmm. know that name off, offhand, but I'll be excited for that. And targeted for May at UFC 288. How about Drew Dober versus Matt Frivola? Love that one. Two yeah. absolute dynamos. You know, Frivola is going to bring the fight to him. Dober's not going to back down. Fireworks for that one. Uh, yes. Injection City, please. And to to recap again, uh, this Saturday, we do have some boxing on the zone there from Long Beach, California. It's Gilberto Ramirez against Gabriel Rosado. And then in the co-main, Joseph Diaz Jr. against Mercito Hesta. Um and then By also, the way, I'm looking a- on the calendar here, BC, the March 18th fight, same day over in Dubai, the Jarrell Big Baby Miller. This is the same Big Baby Miller who tested positive for, like, all the steroids and didn't yeah, get like the Anthony all Joshua of them. fight. And then, like, a week later, they're like, hold on, he actually tested positive for an additional one. There was, like, every, <laughs> they were, like, separating his, his feces and urine, like, nope, found more, found more in there. He came back, Luke, recently, like, off to, like, low level, and but he was, like, fat as shit, Luke. Um, he's going in here against Lucas Brown, who's you know, from down under who's been around a long time. Um, that's a gross, it's kind of a gross fight, Luke, but I'm sure I know Ray Flores is on the call there in Dubai. So shout out to, uh, to sweet baby Ray there, but, uh, Jono Carroll and Miguel Mariaga, nobody cares the rest of the way that happens on Saturday. If you're like a hardcore, uh, you'll be there. All right, Luke, let's go now to a quick helping of what we do every Friday morning combat. Oh, no, sorry. Hold on. Let me pause that one second, Luke, before we get there, before we get to dead wrong, let me dead wrong myself right now. And let me reiterate something to you, Luke Thomas. Leon Edwards, Luke, he's got the home field advantage when him and Kamaru Usman complete their trilogy tomorrow at UFC 286. Am I right? That's right. For UFC 286, this one could go either way, which makes it a perfect opportunity, BC, to take advantage of boosted odds at my bookie. That's what I'm talking about. When it comes to betting on the UFC, there's a ton of value in prop bets, like predicting how a fight will finish and how many rounds it will go. Getting started is easy. Just visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code COMBAT, that's COMBAT with a K, to claim a welcome bonus up to $1,000 plus a free $150,000 March Madness Bracket Contest entry. Yeah, and if you want a sportsbook that gives you the most for your money, bet on this weekend's UFC 286. I'm sorry. Yeah, 286. That's what it is tomorrow. That's right. But bet on it with my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Damn right. All right. This is my co-host. His name is Luke Thomas. And Luke, every week we say a lot of things into a microphone, and, and, and it ain't all right, okay? It's not right, but it's okay. We're going to make it anyway, Luke, but our fans can email morningcombat at gmail.com and they can tell us with a receipt, some chutzpah, and maybe the balls to tell us off in the process that we were dead wrong. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, 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 uh. We've got angry male viewers. All right. This is Paul from Texas. Hey, MK, a short dead wrong for today on Wednesday's episode. BC said Juliana Miller is from the Dana White Contender Series, when she's actually from the Ultimate Fighter as its flyweight tournament winner last season. Thanks for having this part of the show, because many others either say more incorrect facts or butcher names worse than than the animals in BC's gas station hot dogs. Wow. We appreciate Jesus. the accountability for the team and donks alike. 
Paul from Texas. Yes, Paul, I continually got that wrong. I mean, it's the same thing though, right? It's like it's like the 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 JV last AAA like the last station, Luke, that that gets you ready to launch. Okay, it's the same thing, right? All right, fair enough. Luke, I think Killer Miller uh, is going to make some noise. She's going to knock some people out and do crazy things and tap them out. She might. She got to work on her. Uh, she got to work on her striking. It needs some work, but uh, her yeah. ground game is phenomenal. You know. All right. Uh, our other dead wrong of the week is aimed at you. It comes from a fella named Austin. At 126 of episode 417, that's an hour 26, Luke stated that his daughter's new favorite movie is The Princess and the Frog. While I agree with this choice of movie, I cannot overlook the error Luke made when he explained that the movie was not, in fact, new and has been out for five or so years. The Princess and the Frog is a 2009 Disney movie, and while sometimes I also feel it wasn't that long ago... We must remember how truly old and washed we really are. That's from Jesus. Austin. Hold on. Let me double check that. Is that fucking true? If it wasn't for these pedantic pieces of shit, Luke, we wouldn't even have had a segment this week. So maybe we'll both take those L's and, uh, and Yeah, fuck. 2009. Shit. It's ball. going fast. Are you finally at the point that when you see things from the 2000s on TV, it looks like really, really old? It, like even like yes. the fashion, the style. Dude, like it's so funny. I remember watching certain games at that time, and thinking, you know, this looked great or normal or didn't look bad in any capacity. And then watching replays years later, like holy shit, <laughs> this looks so old. Yeah, it looks yeah. so fucking old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I we were much younger in those also, days. I have to dead wrong myself. I said yesterday on my live chat, which I know you don't care about. This one part was for free. That uh, someone had asked me to watch the movie In Bruges. You ever seen the movie In Bruges, BC? Uh, no, I have seen Moulin Rouge, the, the music video, many times. Look, okay, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, in Bruges is a good movie. It's got Colin Farrell in it, actually. It's, and it's got, uh, I think, uh, Ralph Fiennes in it, too. It's actually really good. Uh, and it takes place in a city called Bruges. In my fucking stupid, you know, this is what two decades of drinking will do to your brain. Yeah, oh, I yeah. said it was in Holland. It is not. It is in Belgium. The reason I think I got confused is because I went to both those countries on the same vacation and... I think what surprised me was I went to Bruges and they spoke Dutch there. Or at least a lot of people did speak Dutch. A lot of the signs were in Dutch. And I was surprised because that's a French-speaking country typically. So, uh, well, there's German yeah. there too, actually. But um, anyway, I got it wrong. So, fuck me. There you go. Luke, are you a serial Dutch oven artist or we're not We're not going there? Um, Yeah, you can. That's a fair accusation. That's a fair <laughs> accusation. All right. We won't Dude, go my as far as... My daughter's going to kill me for this. So is she. <laughs> Later on, when she discovers this, when in her teens yeah. that I embarrassed her, yo, my daughter will absolutely Dutch oven the balls <laughs> off of bed. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. That's the kind of award-winning content you can only get from morning combat. And speaking of that, Luke, there are awards that, again, in the sports podcast group is offering us in the very hotly contested category of best combat sports podcast for the new year. Yeah, we won it last year. We might win it again here. You got to hit that QR code or go to sportspodcastgroup.com. Sign up, vote. It's easy. It's up to you. You know, I, you can accuse us all you want of, oh, they only win these awards because they tell their fans about it. But, you know, I didn't tell you to make 50 fake email addresses. You just did that because you love me. And I, yeah. I don't know what guilty to do as, with that guilty feeling. As but charged. I, I like, Gu- like yeah. guilty as charged. You only yeah. won that election because you you knocked on doors and asked people to vote for you. Yeah, yeah that's right. You, you that's campaigned. exactly correct. Yeah. Yeah, you freaking campaign there. Uh, Luke, I I wanted to tell you quickly as I round out this Creed and Rocky journey that um, I forgot Creed 1's really good. Creed really 1 good. is great, dude. Creed yeah. 1 is... Creed 1, 
you know, I don't know exactly where you would put it if you're ranking all the Creed and all the Rocky movies because there's a lot of history there. But just as a movie, Creed 1, to me, delivers big time. Well, we're going to do that Monday, Luke. We should make it a segment there that because I'm going to be finished with all nine Creed and Rocky movies when I take my kids to the... Uh, to, I told him we got to do... You got to freaking do IMAX. This you is got, the problem with Tookster, man. I can't take her to movies like that right now, you know? I got you. I got you. But, dude, damn, Creed 1 reminded me how 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 great it can be. Um, I'm excited about that. You you see anything cool lately, Luke? I just finished Outer Banks Season 3, and it was a flaming shit show. But the ride was fun. But, man, who edited that one? All right, over to you, Luke. What are you watching? Uh, what am I watching these days? I don't watch, dude. I mean, I, I don't have any... I, I don't... If I tell you what I watched, you're going to make fun of me. You ready? I'm ready. What I watched recently? I haven't watched any TV shows, so that's not anything I could say. Um, obviously, whatever my daughter puts on. But in terms of my free time, um, I've been watching John Danaher uh, series on BJJ Fanatics on a bunch of different shit and just taking notes. Dude, yeah. you're, 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 it's, that's like being in the weight room, you know? You're, you're, you're putting in the time, Luke, okay? And no, I can't take that away from you because that what, that's what makes you great. All right. Yeah, it's true. I mean, what? remember when I asked Dan Hardy and I wanted him to give me some awesome answer of like, what makes you different than the other fighter analysts? Like, like, you know, what is it? Tell me you tell me your dad owned a gym and you grew up watching it from this angle. You know what I mean? No, he's like, I just watch more tape than everybody else. Dude, it really it's at the end of the day, like. Homework. You laughed at me about my answer in high school, dude, like getting not an appetite for homework, but getting a tolerance for it. Yeah. And um and uh, being able to work through that, dude, that will save you in your adult life in ways you just don't appreciate. The the, the ability to work through homework without, you know, distraction or delay, just doing it and making it a habit every day. The dividends over a year are extraordinary to say nothing of 10 or 15. Yeah, I wish I had had better habits uh Yeah, I mean, I was a tremendous student, Luke, until I you know, stopped being one. But um, <laughs> if I had kept those better habits, I mean, I, I wouldn't have the story to tell, Luke. You know, I, you know, I wouldn't have this great life story to tell without it. I mean, you can't you can't go back and change it. But yeah, I mean, if you're wondering, BC, were you a, just a just a stupid POS for at least half of your life? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's true. You know? uh, I've been a stupid POS most of my life. I just. Yeah, but at least that... I'm living the good half of the life now. So that's. Yeah, great. yeah, yeah. You're, okay. you're killing it now. You're killing it now. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, my liver, too. That's the problem, Luke. Okay. You know, you said I, you had an appetite for learning. I had an appetite for destruction at 7 Eleven. Okay. That's what I had going on. Fair. Yeah. But, you know, would I, would I change it, Luke? So I, I don't know. I don't think so. Well, I change a lot. I can't believe you don't have regrets. I have like a shitload. I mean, I have regrets to, to, to things I did that I know hurt people that, you know, that, that you have, if you don't have regrets in that regard, you're a piece, you know, you're a big piece of crap, Luke, but, yeah. um, you know, uh, you, dude, you, there's, this is going to turn into Tony Robbins, but you know, there's so much to learn from an L Luke. You don't want to go through it, but man, hey, you know, you went as, as we've said many times, you win or you learn and boy, have I done some learning in this life. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. All right, Luke, uh, end of the year. Okay. Bet. Don't forget. Uh, we picked uh, the concert. You remind okay. folks post fight show tomorrow. Yeah. So that's the deal. Uh, Luke Thomas is going to go live his life and have a real night out. And I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to be doing the UFC 286 instant analysis. Spoiler alert. There will be spoilers. 
I mean, what kind of person, Luke, wakes up the next morning, goes, you know what? I didn't stay up for the fights last night because of the time zone and all that, you know? Why don't I get watch something that won't give me spoilers, but that I could just, you know, entertain myself? I know, a post-fight reaction show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to believe when you make fun of the reading level of our audience, Luke, because most of these people are hardworking, good, honest people. No, okay? the vast majority. No, 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 no. The overwhelming majority of people totally get it. It's always just a few fuckheads that yeah. fill up my inbox. Yeah. It's just, mm, stop. Yeah, I'm with you on that, dude. I'm with you. Um, all right. I don't know where I was going, Luke. I, fell, I got off an exit real quick, but uh, we can probably park this thing and, and uh, you know, take it on home, right? Let's do it. Yeah. Thank you to Gaff Pierre on the ones and twos. Malka, our friends there, CBS Sports and Showtime. Uh, you can actually get 30 days free of Showtime right now. We're talking about Bellator MMA Championship Boxing, uh, Bill Cosby Docs from Kamal Bell. We got a lot of good stuff going on there, our partners there. So check it out. Take the plunge. Uh, no sand needed at the end because you'll, you'll be pounding the pavement with more content. Okay, that's what's going to happen right there. Uh, you can wear our merch and it's fantastic. Bomber jacket season is back. I mean, it is, you know, it's like that transition from winter to spring, Luke. Nothing feels better than that bomber jacket when you're walking toques around the park, you know, and you're like, no toques, no splash pad, only in the, you know, one season for that, one season per year for that. I wore my black bomber jacket to the park yesterday with Tookster. How about that? Okay, I like that. I like that. Uh, Luke, it is St. Patrick's Day. I'm reminded by Gaff. Uh, uh, you know, if I was 23, I'd be arriving at the Old Corner Cafe in Naugatuck, Connecticut about, you know, 10 a.m. And, you know, I'd be going for it, Luke. I'd be going after it, all right? We can, we can those, end the show, BC. It's okay. It's okay. Those days, those days are long over, Luke. So um, uh, for any more stories on the history of Luke's St. Patrick's Day debacles, you'll have to pay for that in his live chat next thursday there's our social handles and channels right there and um uh you know, you know look i don't want to end the show because i love doing this you know what i mean that's i know the thing. but we should end the show because it's time to end the show less is more okay there you go that's what i said about my secondary education uh for luke thomas my name is brian campbell and uh there's no dynamic duo like us whether you like it or don't like it sit around and take a look because it's the best thing going Woo! Uh, we're out of here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yep.